No one would disagree that it's difficult to raise teenagers today. Yet some would argue, when haven't parents found the times unprecedented and the task of raising teenagers difficult? Because on the surface, this argument might sound plausible, but when we really peel back the onion to see all the moving parts, it seems apples are being compared to oranges. And maybe a better analogy would be molehills are being compared to mountains. A generation of kids without hope is what too many parents are dealing with today. So today, our guest, Mark Gregston, will be sharing insights from his new book, Daily Hope for Families. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, we know that suicide is now the second leading cause of death among American teenagers. We also know that the number one reason teens give for attempting suicide is that they say that they have no hope. Mm-hmm. What are you finding here at Shepherd's Hill that's restoring hope to teens? Yeah, well, as, as cliche as it sounds, uh, the kids and the families at Shepherd's Hill are they're finding their hope in Jesus Christ. And, and it's not because we're cramming the Lord down anyone's throat. Jesus himself would have never done that. Uh, what we do challenge our kids with is dealing with the inescapable realities of science and logic, objective truth, what used to be called common sense, and faith. Because virtually everything we do and believe requires faith, just to do life. It's how we come to the conclusions about everything, including you know, the origins, where do we come from, meaning, why are we here, morality, you know, how should we then live, and destiny, mm-hmm. what happens to us when we die. So we're not telling our kids what they must believe, even if it's about God. We just don't do that. Conclusions about God come as a natural outworking of accepting what can't rationally be denied. And again, I'm talking mm-hmm. about science and logic and objective mm-hmm. truth, common sense, faith, on and on. Human beings uh, just cannot deny these realities and remain sane. But our systemically mentally ill culture, fueled by the arrogant professionals who make up the mental health industrial complex, are attempting to do just that. And I've quoted Voltaire before. I'm going to quote him again because it's really applicable to what we're talking about here. Anyone who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities, which proves that a PhD behind your name doesn't necessarily make you wise or right or even sane. I mean, some of these people are actually nuttier than squirrel dung. And then we wonder why so many of our kids are struggling with mental health issues today. It's because crazy people are no longer in the asylum, they're actually running it. And it's not just medical and mental health professionals either, it's educators, it's Silicon Valley execs, news anchors, and every government agency that we once trusted for some semblance of sanity. But at least our government has an excuse because corruption will make you insane. But our hope is in Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor, the great physician, and I think today's guest would probably agree. 
I think so, too. Also, he's going to help us just understand a little bit more about uh, the teens of this generation. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Mark Gregston. He is an author, speaker, radio host, and the founder of a residential counseling center for struggling teens located in Longview, Texas. Mark's passion for helping teens can be seen in his 50 years of involvement with families as a youth pastor, also Young Life Area Director, and now as Executive Director of Heartlight. Well, Mark, welcome back to the Licensed to Parent broadcast, brother. Well, it's good to be with you guys, and my apologies right offhand. I've lost my voice this past week, and so um, I sound a little bit different and a little bit older, <laughs> but I'm really not, and uh, I'm, I'm still the same person, so... Well, he, he looks like a million folks, but I think he's still under 70. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so from your perspective, you know, what do you see as, as the primary reason that so many kids uh, feel so hopeless today when they live in arguably the richest nation on the planet? <laughs> you know, I, I think they feel a sense of hopelessness because, because we're not presenting that sense of hope to them. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, raising kids has always been a struggle. It's just been a little bit accelerated. Um, it, time is moving along faster, if you will. Uh, what our kids are exposed to, what they're engaged in, uh, what their options are, what's presented to them, what's promoted before them. And so it's sped up a little bit. And so, so we as parents have got to be the ones, and grandparents as well, have got to be the ones that are saying, how then do we take the scripture that we know to be true and apply it in such a way that it's helping our kids instill a sense of hope in their life? Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is it's sped up so fast that, that all of us have become these pioneer parents and pioneer grandparents that are trying to figure out how do we do that? Mm -hmm. um, I remember Francis Schaeffer in a book that he wrote, How, how Then Should We Live? Right. And I'm always reminded of that title because I'm always asking the question, if, if we know the Word of God and at the same time we know that the culture is ever-changing, then how then should we live uh, you know, as examples of, uh, of somebody who's dedicated to Christ and, and still dedicated and, and loves these kids that God has placed in our life. Mm -hmm. And so, so I say all this and, and let me, let me kind of couch this here because I'm having to almost scream a little bit to get my voice out. But, but I would say all this with a very gentle spirit. So if it sounds like, <laughs> if it sounds like I'm having, that I'm screaming a little bit, I'm only doing that to communicate, but please hear that from a, from a very soft standpoint. That's our role as parents. Mm -hmm. That's our role as grandparents to offer our kids something that they can get from no one else and in a way that they can't get it from anybody else. And we get this idea that it's all about our words, and it's not. Right. Because words have truly affected our kids' lives prior to them becoming teens. Now it's our example mm -hmm. that we set before them. And so I think that's what becomes so important. Amen. So, Mark, how should we be presenting hope to our kids today? What does that look like? How do you coach a parent through that? Well, you know, I, I think the first thing is helping people realize that that it's not your words. It, and, mm. and we get this idea, and Scripture even says in First John, it says, you know, let us not just love by word, by, but by acts and deeds. You know, it's by the example that we set when we live a blameless life. When Paul wrote and said, 
that I share with you, you know, not only the gospel, but my life as well, because you became very dear to me. And you remember how blameless we were as we encouraged and supported and and helped you aspire to attain a a, a walk that is worthy of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the role that we play to be that living example, to allow the word to become flesh in our life so that our kids can see that as a living example. I mean, there's, they're bombarded with information so much that the yeah. tendency is they just look at the words that we say as just another piece of information. And so, I, and I'm not saying we don't talk to them. We do talk to them, but we back it up with something that's unique about us, and that's yeah. our life, the way we treat our neighbors, the way we treat people around us, the way we treat you know, uh, even the kids that are struggling and having a difficult time, that we love them in such a way that that they feel a very special type of love that that attracts them. That yep. and and if and if Christ is lifted up, then he, as he says, he will draw all men to him. And so our role is is in one sense simple. It's being the person who God wants us to be. And allowing that to be engaged with our kids in such a way that they they get to see a living example of that. Amen. I mean, there's a cliche we throw around here at, at Shepherd's Hill all the time. You, our actions speak so loudly the kids can't hear what we're saying. <laughs> this is a, the most, uh, in a lot of people's eyes, uh, most connected generation. Yet, they're the most lonely generation. Yeah. Uh, how do we sort that out and make parents understand that Maybe the connections that they are making aren't the connections that they need. Well, I think, you know, I think they're communicating. I'm not so sure they're connected. I, I, I think that's the great frustration. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think kids, the amount of time they spend on their phone, and we all see it. Um, and people can get frustrated with kids all the time. But, I, you know, I travel. I'm in a different airport, two or three different airports every week. And, and uh, I'm sitting there looking at people. Everybody's on their phone. Everybody. Everybody. It's not just kids. It's everybody. So they're communicating. They're being entertained. They're being distracted from relationships with one another. But I think what kids are doing is trying to fulfill the very thing that they've been created for because they've been created for a relationship. God Mm -hmm. created them that way. And so as they spend more time communicating with one another, thinking that that's going to really connect them with somebody else, it's not happening. And so that's why we see these levels of depression and anxiety and kids feeling, man, I'm they're saying I'm peddling as fast as I can, but it's just not working. That's why we see suicide rates so high. I mean, 75-year high for girls. I, I, I mean, guys, 15-year-old guys, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that they're the second highest rate of suicides. And it's that frustration level that, that I, I'm doing all that I can and it's not working. I'm trying to apply the word of God that I've been taught and I, it's not working. And, and I'm, I'm trying to apply my relationship with people and it's not working. So they're frustrated. Yeah. And and I'm convinced that what it takes more than anything else, because we're never going to combat. I mean, 58% of the world uses a smartphone. Mm-hmm. You know, how we combat that is by giving a child a living example of what it is to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And thus, thus we'll do this. We'll give kids a taste of the character of God. Uh, amen. You know, I, I think that some of that frustration you talked about is the, all these kids are through their phones are trying to escape reality. The others are trying to find it. But we're coming up on a break. Mm-hmm. 
We're talking with Mark Gregston today. We've been talking about his book, Daily Hope for Families, and also about the next generation. Hey, check out Mark's podcast, I Mustache Mark a Question. Did you just say mustache? (laughs) I did. I Mustache Mark a Question. It's time for a break, but we'll be back with more Licensed Parent after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. If you'd like to learn more about Shepherd's Hill, go to LicensedToParent.org. Today, we are talking with Mark Gregston. And Mark, you mentioned earlier that you were the Bible quiz champ. And I'm just curious, what's the toughest question you've had to answer on the Bible? I have no idea. It was Oklahoma Bible quiz champ. You know, I, I mean, you know, I'm one of those guys that believes this, that that I don't have to know everything. And um, I say it a lot to people when they go, what do you think about this? And I go, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I haven't thought about it enough. I think about too many other things. Or at the same time, I go, I don't really have an answer to that. You know, it's there's just some things. I, I think what we do is sometimes come up with, all these answers, because if, if we're not answering everything, then we're not a good Christian and we don't know enough scripture. And, and, you know, the older I get, the more questions I have about things in life. And thank goodness we get to spend eternity in heaven and get to have all those questions answered. But I'm pretty content to not know um, while I'm on this side of heaven. And so the, the hardest question that somebody would ask me, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I get asked hard questions all the time. I do this, uh, 
this podcast called I Must Ask Mark a Question, which is part of the Parenting Today's Teens podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, and people ask me questions. And, and you know, I, ha- I have a difficult time sometimes saying, okay, how do I take this scripture that I know to be true and apply it in a very practical way so that people are finding an answer to the questions that they're asking. And and sometimes I tell people I'm stumped. You know, I don't know how I would handle this, but here's some thoughts kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I get que- asked questions a lot, and, um, but I'm not so sure that I know the answer, but I can give them some thoughts that will maybe help them get to a better place and find those answers. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, I want to piggyback on that, uh, that question a little bit. Uh, you know, we live in the information age. Uh, do you think a kid or an adult for that matter can, can, can just have too much knowledge? Well, you know, I, I think that, that when you and I grew up, Trace, information in this world double every 13 years, mm-hmm. uh, codified information, the amount of written information. And currently it is doubling every hour and a half. And, and so what that means is that, that our kids are just getting bombarded with information. Right. Now, what that means to moms, moms, if you're, if you're nothing but a source of information, then when your child becomes a teen, they don't need you anymore. That's because right. they have mm-hmm. access to everything. And so what they're longing for, I mean, they are they are drowning in information, but they're starving to death for wisdom. And, oh, and that's, that's what's yep. needed. And so the challenge is, is not to just take uh, something that a child is struggling with and, and give them more information. Because then you can just line up and now they have so many different options. Mm-hmm. I want to sit back. And think through, you know, the the correct way of answering a question. And sometimes it's saying, you know, I need to think about that. Mm-hmm. And let me talk to you about it tomorrow. But let me think through that tonight. And and what I'm doing is trying to figure out, okay, what's the wisdom here? What have I observed? What have I reflected on? And what have I experienced? And what do I know to be true? And how do I mix all of that recipe together to come out with a wise word that helps a child get through the difficulties? And I wrestle, you know, the, the whole gender confusion thing that's going on and everything that's happening. I have pa- parents asking me all the time, you know, my son is, you know, I said that he that he, he he wants to transgender and he's he's felt this since age seven and he's. He's wanting to do that age 15. He's not listening and the school allows this, you know, and I mean, all those things. Now, I know what I feel about that and I know what I believe, but to give somebody a uh, an answer, you know what? I've never had a child that's felt like they're a different gender than what they were born. I've never been in that position to have to make that decision. and And so that's where I make sure that whenever I give counsel or uh, give a thought or even share some of the wisdom that I've seen when I do that with families that, that I make sure that I'm embracing the fact that I've never been in their position and Mm. it's a tough, tough position. And so whatever I say has got to be, it's got to be communicated with a sense of compassion and with a sense of love and with a sense of encouragement and hopefully a practical way to get through the difficulties that some of these things that kids are facing. I think it becomes very difficult for all parents. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy world when we start denying again, objective truth, science, things like that. Um, but 
you know, I think we also we've conflated uh, knowledge and intelligence. I mean, you know as much as I do. A lot of parents, uh, their measure of success is is, is junior's grades. Um, you know, his IQ, and they've conflated that with wisdom. And really, my gosh, when you think about it, a robot is intelligent. I mean, a, a robot is knowledgeable. Uh, but what they don't have is wisdom and the very thing you had mentioned there. And I think that's what we, I mean, wisdom requires a moral component in the equation where knowledge and intelligence, you can be reduced to a human algorithm. And uh, where are we going with that? And I think that's exactly where a lot of Silicon Valley would like us to go. But putting aside all the terrible content that's out there uh, on the internet and uh, on in music and TV and just our culture in general, do you, you think we just flat give our younger kids uh, way too many choices? Well, I think they have a lot of choices. I mean, who would ever have thought that gender issues would be talked about on a school level? You know, yeah, yeah, that, that that TikTok would would expose kids to more and more that that you know that Instagram would create a um, a world of comparison that is. I think killing our kids sometimes and the same way with fake book. I, I mean, it's even yeah. though I'm on all those, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I realize the presence of that is, is, is somewhere it's a one upmanship. And, and basically what people are doing is trying to find their, their value. And they're trying to say, well, somebody listen to me. Will somebody look at me? Will somebody pay attention mm. to me? And so it's, it becomes a, a, a platform of ignorance and, and foolishness sometimes but the other part that I see is people are going, I mean, I, I always ask the question, why is it so important for everybody to share that they're on vacation or that they did a thousand push-ups or they mm. memorized the book of Ephesians backwards mm. in Spanish or, or <laughs> you know, or, or that it's so important for me to know that their cat died yesterday. I mean, it. I, I, I just go, we have this compelling in a listless society, we have this compelling drive to say, well, somebody listen to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the counter to that is us being compassionate and and mm-hmm. and to open our ears, not 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 to listen with with the idea of how we're going to respond, but to listen with the with a great desire to understand what is being communicated and that values somebody else, so that it opens the door for us to share the things that we have learned. And Trace, I don't know about you. I, you we're, we're the same age. Uh, of course, you're probably older, but... Um, <laughs> of course. You, because, because you look a lot older. But, no, but I mean, life. there's a part of it where I say, you know, it, it's interesting to me that kids want to spend time um, more so with me now when I'm 68 years old than I did when I was 21 years old and a Young Life Area director. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing because they're looking for wisdom. They're looking for deep relationships. They're they looking are. for the opportunity to go, how do I do this? How do mm-hmm. I figure this out? How do I, how do I take the things that I believe and apply them? How am I, how do I make sure that I'm not confused? And it's the same. I mean, that's why grandparents play such a wonderful role. And I think that, that God is keeping grandparents around not to jump in an RV and drive to Arizona and play shuffleboard the rest of their life, mm-hmm. but is wanting to keep them around to offer wisdom to a generation that needs it desperately. Yeah, and there's so many grandparents that are raising their grandkids uh, because their their own children have gone off and 
you know, thrash their 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 lives in, in, in a myriad of different ways. And so grandparents have had to, you know, start all over again and, and raise their grandkids. You probably experienced over there at Heartline. I know we experienced it here. Uh, but I've noticed that uh, kids do seem to have an affinity toward people who are long in the tooth and gray in the whisker. Um, people think, well, you know, these young kids, they don't, they don't want to learn anything from the older folks. Uh, that's not been my experience. That has not been my experience. They, they really do want someone older, wiser, who've, uh, who, who've been there before to learn from. Um, and, and there's something else about kids. You know, my wife and I, we, we, we take uh, all of our kids out. We call it the Last Supper. And we ask the kids the night before graduation, you know, what's something Shepherd's Hill can never stop doing? You know, we want to be better. We want to uh, meet you guys at the point of your need and want to make sure that we're on target. And, and one of the things that they, the things that never stop or a popular answer they give, and they say this, never stop making us work with our hands. We never felt so human. We never felt so alive. The chores that they do, you know, the building, the cabins and whatnot. What what message can parents infer from this? Because I think a lot of these kids, I don't think they feel productive uh, uh, in life or they, they, when they don't create something physical with their hands or, or do something. You know, when it's a life of just video games and, and pushing buttons and looking at screens, I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that our kids need to be physically involved in something, and you say. Well, you know, I, I, think, I think FFA, the Future Farmers of America, have always mm-hmm. said this, if you want to keep a kid out of a trouble, give them an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm big on that. I mean, we've got 20-some horses here with us, and, and you know, I, I think there's something about that that, that helps mm-hmm. them see life differently. And, and so there's a part of me that really believes that, you know, the old adage that says that, that idle hands are in the devil's workshop. The kids mm-hmm. love being busy. They love accomplishing something. They love feeling like there's more of a purpose than posting pictures of themselves on everything that's out there and telling everybody, well, I planted a flower today. Like somebody really cares about right. that, you know, or, <laughs> or, you know, or I, I think there's something about that, that they, they find purpose because they're not finding purpose in the other things that they're doing. And mm-hmm. so what happens is they don't mature. And that's why the American Medical Association has increased the age of adolescence to age 27. The mm-hmm. American Journal of Adolescent Psychiatry has increased it to age 26. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's because of those things that aren't happening. Well, that's a, that's a call to parents and grandparents. Yeah. It absolutely if, is. It is. If yeah. that's true, then this is what you need to be doing is moving from a teaching model to a training model mm. where you are training up a child. Yeah, because we've entertained our kids into <laughs> imbecility. And uh, uh, I, I know from epigenetics that, you know, outside stimuli affects body and brain chemistry down to, to the cellular level. And if, if all you're stimulated with is just entertaining, you know, non-thinking activities or non-productive activities, then you're going to be, you are what you watch, are what you see, are what you eat, on and on and on it goes. But we are out of time, man. brother. Thank you so much for being with yes. us. Yes. Absolutely. Loved it. Well, we've been talking with Mark Gregston on Licensed Parents. Mark has a new book out. And it's called Daily Hope for Families. To find out more about Mark and his ministry to parents and teens, you can visit heartlightministries.org or go to parentingtodaysteens.org. 
Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent today. Troy Sambury is the host of Licensed to Parent and also the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a residential treatment facility for troubled teens. To learn more, visit licensedparent.org. Also, while you're there, you can gain more insight for today's culture with free resources from Shepherd's Hill. Just click on resources when you visit licensedparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.